KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. Back in 1988, before a big wall stood between San Diego and Tijuana, artist Richard Liu mounted a door at the border. He stood it up between a section of broken-down barbed wire near the airport in TJ. The rusty wire fence was one of the only visible demarcations of the international borderline at the time. The artist's message was clear. The door was open. Immigrants from Mexico and beyond were welcome to the United States. Border art is art at the actual border fence, art about the border, and oftentimes it's both. It feels weird to say that the U.S.-Mexico border wall inspires artists, because mostly it pisses them off. Not to lump all artists into one sweeping stereotype, but a lot of the work being made about the border is pretty heavy in its opposition to the fence and all it stands for. It's protest art, or art that wants to start a conversation about power, immigration, and human rights. In San Diego on a recent Saturday night, a few dozen people crowd inside a small gallery called You Belong Here. The crowd is mostly young artistic types. On view tonight, a border art exhibition featuring photography and video. Alejandro Martinez is standing by the gallery door. He exudes a calm intensity. He's a young artist who works with a nearby nonprofit that serves refugee youth. Alejandro tells us that border art is not a medium to be messed with. He has two black and white photos of migrants stuck in Tijuana on display. He's first generation Mexican American, and he says when it comes to border art, he hates when artists portray the wall as something captivating or mysterious. He says for him, the border stands for something very clear. The border has killed, and this is a border angel's estimate, uh, 30,000 migrants uh, in the desert. You know, so whether we're white, whether we're Asian, whether we're even Mexican, uh, we're taking photographs of the border. Uh, What do we want those photographs to achieve? It's not a game. You know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a portfolio enhancer, it's, it's not, it's, it's these, these people's lives. A few feet away from Alejandro's photos, a video screen flashes images of children reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. The images are caught in the reflection of the colorful eyeglasses worn by the artist who made the video, Amanda Dahlgren. Juro fidelidad a la bandera de los Estados Unidos de América. Amanda is tall and blonde. She was born in Sweden and remembers being required to recite the pledge every morning after immigrating to the U.S. She says she thought it was weird and never fully understood the tradition until she got older. She recently asked her own daughter what she thought of the pledge. The conversation led to the video piece. The beautiful part is, because she goes to a Spanish immersion school, they, from the beginning, have learned it in Spanish. So her and all her friends, you know, they all recite it, you know, once a week or whatever, 
in Spanish. And so to me that meant so much and that said so much about the future, you know, and that these kids um, who don't speak Spanish at home, you know, their their, uh, first language is English, that they're embracing another language, they're embracing another culture, and that they're understanding that being American is not about a language, it's not about um, a specific you know, background or anything like that. It's about it's we're a nation of immigrants, you know, and, and I think there's something beautiful about, you know, the fact that they're saying it in Spanish. So across the room, a new group of people walk through the front door of the gallery. The TJ contingent just arrived. I guess they all came in the same car. <laughs> Jill Holslin is an American teacher who's been living in Tijuana since twenty eleven. She's got a lot of energy and you can usually spot her in a crowd because she's always laughing. Jill's piece in the show is a video installation. She took drone footage of herself walking across the border in a place where there's no fence. She's shown walking back and forth through crisscrossing dirt paths, a combo of wildlife trails, migrant paths, and roads cut into the hillsides by U.S. Border Patrol agents. Jill is becoming well-known for her border art. In 2017, she and a group of artists and activists drove to the fence on the Tijuana side and projected images over the wall and onto President Donald Trump's border wall prototypes. The prototypes were eight samples of various border fence options that Trump had contractors build near the border in San Diego. These are his 30 by 30 foot options. One of these eight contestants could soon stretch 2,000 miles across the border. The images projected onto those eight walls that night were political, mostly being subversive towards Trump and his immigration policies. Images of a ladder, the Statue of Liberty, and messages saying, refugees welcome here, and come on in, lit up the prototypes that night. Jill is both an artist and an activist. Obviously, when it comes to border art, which is inherently political, it's hard to separate those two sides of herself. But over the years, she says she's found a way to draw a line between her art and her activism. And for me, the biggest difference with art is that with with a true work of art, what I want to do is I want to raise questions, and I don't want to I don't want to make everything so clear and so unambiguous. I want people to approach a work of art and think about it and bring their own ideas to it instead of having it be like a slogan or something that's completely, absolutely clear. The two curators behind tonight's show can be seen darting back and forth across the gallery, talking to the artists and welcoming guests as they continue crowding into the small space. Scott Davis is one of the curators. He's got a thick mop of brown hair on his head and piercing blue eyes that match his blue button-up shirt. Scott says he and his co-curator, Stacy Keck, wanted to put together a border art exhibition as a reaction to the current political climate. Not a day goes by without news of Trump wanting to stop the flow of immigrants in one way or another. I think it's really important to humanize the, the people and the issues that are happening today. And photography is such a great vehicle to do that. I'm Alan Liliental, and you're listening to Only Here, a KPBS podcast about the unexplored subcultures, creativity, and struggles at the U.S.-Mexico border. 
Today, we're kicking off an ongoing series of shorter episodes about border art. After the break, we talk to the so-called godfather of border art, the guy who put border art on the map, Marcos Ramirez, a Tijuana artist most people know as R. Only here will you find an artist making work critical of the border, located at the actual border fence and paid for by the federal government, which is also paying for an expanded border wall. More after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. The story is unforgettable. The Greeks constructed a giant wooden horse, hid men inside it, and then pretended to sail away. The Trojan War was raging. And the Trojans, assuming their opponents had given up and split, dragged the horse into their city as a trophy of sorts. That night, the Greek warriors crept out of the hollow inside of the horse and opened the gates for the rest of the Greek army. The city of Troy was destroyed. Once upon a time, a Trojan horse stood here at the U.S.-Mexico border. The giant wooden horse had two heads and straddled the international borderline, one head in Tijuana, the other in San Diego. It sat here for nearly a year in 1997, in clear view of the thousands of cars and pedestrians who crossed the San Isidro port of entry every day. The horse was a sculpture, a temporary work of art by Tijuana artist Marcos Ramirez, who somehow convinced the authorities to let him put his politically charged art at the border without having to cut through a bunch of red tape. No, it was a different world. I only had to go and convince the director of the port of entry. Everybody was told me before, like, no, you're not going to make it. The chase doesn't going to allow you. Whatever. When I went there, I... I played my, my cards, I did some, some politics. The day that I went and, and suggested and showed the renderings and the maquette and all of that to the lady, she was in a very good mood. And then she said there's going to be a committee meeting between three officials from Tijuana and three officials from San Diego. They're meeting in like two hours. You hang around and, and go have a drink or a soda, come back. And if you convince them and you have a democratic vote, we, we can do it. The vote was four to two. So he parked the horse, which was mounted on giant wooden wheels, at the border. It's hard to know what people who saw the horse thought of it. It definitely would have evoked the secret of Greek invasion for those familiar with the story. For Marcos, 
who's mostly known by his nickname Erre, the piece had a clear message. The two-headed creature symbolized both the feelings of mutual exchange and invasion at the U.S.-Mexico border. Erre wanted to provoke thought and conversation about that relationship. Who is invading whom? Who depends on whom? Who will be on the right side of history? Two decades have passed since the horse straddled the border. And Erre, a former construction worker, is now one of the most prolific and well-known border artists in the world. His reputation helped him earn a big-time commission. This summer, he again put up a sculpture at the actual border. But this time, it wasn't as DIY. It went through the official public art channels for the federal government, and the federal government actually footed the bill. For those who follow Erre's work, it's sort of shocking since he's such an anti-wall kind of guy. The punk rock, at times guerrilla-style artist, known for criticizing the very existence of the border wall, has now worked for the same government that is funding an expansion of it. I didn't believe that that was happening and then they were going to allow me to do a piece. You have to come and see and then come up with an idea if this piece is as, as uh, uh, belligerent as the other one or, or maybe already is subdued by the pressure of the money or the invitation or whatever. Like, and then I, I, ha- I had uh, the time to think about how, how am I going to do to put another Trojan horse in the border without being offensive. You know, so, so that's, that's where everything resides, in the interpretation of the work. Erre's sculpture sits just feet away from the entrance of the newest pedestrian border crossing at the port of entry. It's a large piece, and at first glance, it looks like a giant hourglass. The frame is made of big black steel beams. The beams hold two large cones in place. The one on top is narrow side down, like an upside-down pyramid, and the one on the bottom is narrow side up. A gap about an inch wide sits between the pointed tips of the two cones. The words, todos somos distintos, or we are all distinct, are etched into the bottom cone. And etched into the top cone are the words, we are all equal. Erre likes to use text in his work. As a conceptual artist, an artist whose first and most important medium is ideas, He likes to leave his work open to interpretation, but he also likes to provide parameters. That's what the text does. It points people in a certain direction. Half of the work, at least, it's responsibility of the viewer. So I I plant my seed, and I hope people come and and water the tree. Erre doesn't like being didactic or over-explaining his art but we were able to squeeze an explanation out of him anyway. And, uh, well, you have these two positions that look like they are a uh, um, counter position or like against each other, but it, at the very end it's the same thing. We are all distinct. That's a fact. And we are all equal in the eyes of the law, in the eyes of God, whatever, if you believe in a, a God, pick, pick the one you want, you know. And then, and then that's the way it should be. We are all equal. And, 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 but at the same time, we, we should be uh, able to, to really value our differences and the things that distinct us culturally and physically and in many other fields. You know, that's, that's basically the, the idea behind the piece. 
So this bold new symbol of equality sits just a stone's throw away from the border fence, which has been topped with menacing-looking razor wire since Trump took office. Lots of people see the border wall itself as a brazen symbol of inequality, a physical representation of the U.S. seeing Mexico as different and lesser, not equal. So while Erez's new sculpture is not nearly as aggressive or antagonistic as his famous Trojan horse, his new piece at the border wall is quietly and poetically protesting any policy that might treat people as unequal. It's a little weird, right? To have a border artist who's done several pieces of art critical of the border wall and immigration policies get paid by the very government he criticizes. And even weirder for the government to pay for that political piece, right? But Erez says that view of things is too narrow because the federal government is multifaceted and the project itself started during Barack Obama's time in office. It's very likely never even crossed President Trump's desk. Plus, public art is required to be included when new federal buildings are constructed. It's a federal policy. Five other pieces of art were commissioned alongside Erres at the new pedestrian port. Erres says he doesn't feel like he's a sellout for taking money from the very government he's so critical of. Instead, he sees himself as more of a savvy infiltrator, someone who is smart enough to push his project through the federal process without losing any of the sculpture's integrity. In other words, he sort of feels like he Trojan horse the federal government. The fact that I'm putting it here for me, it's, a, it's an accomplishment in, in, instead of uh, something to be sorry about or, or, sh- or ashamed. You know, because the, the fact that I was able to, to, to put it and uh, still have the, the piece to have the meaning that it has and or the many meanings according to the people we'll see is what I, I, I think it's good. Erre grew up in Tijuana, so he remembers a time not so long ago when there was no fence between the U.S. and Mexico whatsoever. To him, the barrier is an affront to Mexican people, an uncivilized, bullish, and primitive way of solving the complicated puzzle of immigration. In 2014, the artist sparked a conversation about the U.S.-Mexico border again, this time by working with Arizona photographer David Taylor. The two set out in a van and installed 47 steel obelisks, marking the boundary between the U.S. and Mexico that existed in 1821. They didn't ask anyone who owned the land permission. They just went out and did it, guerrilla style. The shiny silver posts stood a few feet high and included QR codes that, if scanned, told people more about the project and the artists. In the early 1800s, California, New Mexico, Texas, Utah, and parts of other states were still part of Mexico. It wasn't until after the Mexican-American War in 1848 that Mexico lost more than half its land to the U.S. and the border we now know was drawn. Here's a clip from a YouTube video of David and Erre talking about the project in Santa Fe. So we had to figure out how to make monuments that would enable us to get them out on site and leave them behind 
Here in the United States, it's, it's better and it's uh, easier to just forget about it because you already have it, you know. But in Mexico, <laughs> it's still a wound, you know. And it is a wound that had no scar. So yeah, Erre has lots of thoughts about the border. And the current messages coming from President Trump are basically the opposite of what Erre is trying to say with his work. So I think we need the wall. We're going to build the wall. We have no choice. We have no choice. There's many, many things, and I hope, for sure, that there will be no borders in any place in the world and we all be a big, big, happy family. <laughs> but it's also maybe very naive. So let's find, let's try to find a place where we can be together in a good mood and happy, whatever, the, the closest to that idea, you know? And I don't think a, a wall in between helps. Erre says one of his duties as an artist is to keep pushing political ideas. He knows he's not going to change anyone who's already convinced, but it's his responsibility to keep the conversation going. He says it's not only artists who should feel responsible for calling out policies and practices they think are wrong. Everybody, not only the warriors, have a responsibility about what is going on in the world right now. We, you just have to keep doing your work and keep, keep the going you know and if you are an artist maybe more you know but uh but but uh, like uh, that's a heavy weight to put in and and just the artist mm-hmm. what about the rest of the society you know like you're doing your your work by by opening uh, offering your mics and opening the waves of the radio to to hear people express different opinions you know and then uh, that's i think the the basis the basis of everything the chance to express and then the possibility to do it and, the, and that some other people hear your opinion and they are perfectly in the right to disagree with you but you still can say it it's, it's fine and those kind of discussions are healthy Next time on the podcast, a story about trash and dirt flowing from one side of the border to the other, and two guys plan to stop it. So we're going to be creating lots of jobs for, you know, a lot of people that call this place home, but there's also an opportunity to create jobs for migrants that are, you know, being forced to await their asylum claims on this side of the border. We follow two San Diegans to a canyon in Tijuana and they show us their plan to empower people there to help stop trash from flowing across the border. Only Here is a KPBS podcast hosted by me, Alan Liliental. It was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the director of sound design. Lisa Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is the director of programming. KPBS reporter Eric Anderson helped edit the script. KPBS podcasts are made possible by listeners like you. Go to kpbs.org to make a donation or become a member today. Thank you.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.